Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to the Bite Size Evolver, excerpts from my podcasts. Here's 14 minutes on Ross Douthat's New York Times column on Thinking Your Way to God. Ross Douthat wrote an article on Sunday, How to Think Your Way into Religious Belief. I love it. Love that title, How to Think Your Way into Religious Belief. What, what I think he's doing here is he is providing a post-progressive path out of atheism. He is a Catholic. Um, he b- believes in, in, that the Church of St. Peter, you know, that has a direct descendancy from Jesus, is the mother church. And he's kind of just going with it. And here he describes how uh, science and modernity actually support these beliefs. I, you know, if we talk about this spiral of development, you know, we have the uh, holy warriors, you know, and then we have people who get modern who they might have a certain religious heart, but they can't really jibe it with um, modern secular rationality. And they sort of have a tension around that. And then people who just lose it, you know, it becomes an art form at best. And, um, and this is where a lot of the culture is. In the integral world, we sometimes identify it as the people who are um, spiritual but not religious. And that is the, you know, sort of a shorthand for green spirituality in general or postmodern spirituality. So this is what's coming out of that, in my opinion. And that is something that is spiritual and religious, you know, that there actually is a religious impulse in reality. I'll let him describe it because I think he does it really beautifully. I love this essay. So he starts with, well, he starts with a bunch of stuff, but I'm just, it's a long article. I'm just going to hit the high points. He says, the new atheist philosopher, Daniel Dennett, once wrote a book called Breaking the Spell, whose title implies that religious faith prevents believers from seeing the world clearly. And that's how, you know, that, that, that was how I thought for most of my adult life that religious belief was actually a, a, a delusion or a, a, a distortion of reality. So he says, but what if atheism is the spell? I love that. What if atheism is is the spell that's been cast over modern minds, and the fastest way to become religious is to break that spell? How about that? Love it. So let's try. Imagine yourself back in time to an era, ancient, medieval, pre-Darwin, when you think it made sense for an intelligent person to believe in God. Because religious ideas seem to provide an explanation for the more important features of reality. And I think that's just as beautiful an integral project as there is. That is to take ourselves back in time to the world before science explained everything. You know, last night I was at a friend's. We had this majestic view of the mountains, a full rainbow, and I have never seen a rainbow that vivid. And how I naturally at this point do a practice where I just, I have no explanation for it. I don't see that it's water vapor and prisms and all that stuff. It's just there, you know, 
And how could a pre-modern mind experience something like that, that without some numinous explanation, something about reality that is beyond the, the rainbow itself? Okay, so he says, we want to entertain the idea that the universe was created with intent, intelligence, and even love. That explained why the world in which you found yourself had the appearance of a created thing, not just orderly, law-bound, and filled with complex systems necessary for human life, but also vivid and beautiful and awesome in a way that resembles and yet exceeds the human capacity for art. Love it. So this is, this is you know, non-rational, but I think most people can experience it and do. And he talks about that. He says, finally, the common religious assumption that humans are material creatures connected to a supernatural plane explained why your world contained so many signs of higher order of reality. The incredible variety of experiences described as mystical or numinous, unsettling or terrifying, are just really, really weird. Ranging from baseline feelings of oneness and universal love to strange happenings at the threshold of death, to encounters with gods and demons, ghosts and fairies that are never fully understood but experienced. And I uh, want to point out the, the phenomena that we see in the integral world of people having experiences with aliens. Amazing thing. Not me, but, you know, hey, all good. So, okay, so, so he's having, you know, he's just doing this exercise where you think of yourself in this pre-modern pre way. And then it, he says, got all that? Good. Now, consider the possibility that in our own allegedly disenchanted era, the one after Galileo, Copernicus, Darwin, Einstein, consider that all of this is still true. All of the non-rational stuff, still true. Love it. So then he goes on and he talks about the scientific progress and so forth. Interestingly enough, he talks about neuroscience. He has his explanations for how science can be a, a portal to a belief in God. But to me, he misses the big one, which is evolution itself, and that we've had 13.8 billion years of something coming out of nothing, <laughs> you know, more coming out of less. It's observable. Science shows it to us from, you know, the vantage point of 13.8 billion years. And that a contemplation of that is a religious experience pretty reliably, it seems to me. But I'm going to go with Ross because I think he's, you know, onto something and certainly moving the ball. He says, the disenchantment of the modern world is a myth of the intelligentsia. In reality, it never happened. Instead, through the whole multi-century multi process of secularization, the decline of religion's political power and cultural prestige. People kept right on having near-death experiences and demonic visitations and wild divine encounters. They just lost the religious structures through which these experiences used to be interpreted. 
And that is, um, I think, right on and, and has a good understanding of sort of the evolution of things. It, you know, m modernity has no room for God or spirit. It doesn't, it's not supposed to, it's supposed to deconstruct that, but um, it's still there. And Integral's job is to reintegrate the whole spiral. So we want to be friendly and receptive to it. He ends with Barbara Ehrenreich's book that he said, I think you should read, called Living with a Wild God. This is a contemporary memoir by an inveterate skeptic of organized religion, which describes mystical experiences that came to her unbidden with a biblical mix of awe terror, and mystery. And then he quotes her, Barbara Ehrenreich, in the book. One reason for the terrible wordlessness of the experience is that you cannot observe fire really closely without becoming part of it. And that is one of the best explanations of, you know, moving through that veil of form and emptiness, really. Whew. That's really good. You cannot observe fire really closely without becoming a part of it. He says, if your claim is just that religious experience is mostly a misinterpretation, it's a still a substantial concession to acknowledge that it persists through ages of reason as well as ages, age, ages of faith and endures even with cultural and medical and scientific authorities discount or dismiss it. He says, take just one example, the case of near-death experiences, which were a culturally submerged phenomenon until Raymond A. Moody started compelling testimony in the late 1960s, started compiling testimony in the late 1960s. After decades of research, we know such experiences are commonplace and surprisingly consistent in certain features not just the tunnels and bright lights and encounters with dead relatives, but also the psychological aftermath, marked by a shift towards greater selflessness, spirituality, and cosmic optimism. Yay, love it. So you go, Ross. And again, I, I don't, I'm not that, I don't find his arguments that compelling when compared to the evolutionary one itself, but maybe I'm just, you know, overthinking it. Anyway, I, I do want to read the end. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is good. He says, um, for finite and suffering creatures, religious belief offers important kinds of hope and consolation, but unbelief has its own comforts. <laughs> I love this. Unbelief has its own comforts. It takes a whole vast zone of ideas and arguments, practices and demands, supernatural perils and metaphysical complexities, and whispers, well, at least you don't have to spend time thinking about that. That's, a, that's true of a lot of, of me for decades. I don't have to think about that at least. That modernity freed me from that. And then he goes on, this is the last paragraph. But actually, you do. So if you are standing uncertainly on the threshold of whatever faith traditions you feel closest to, you don't have to heed the inner voice insisting that it's necessarily more reasonable and sensible and modern to take a step backward. You can recognize instead that reality is probably not as materialism describes it, 
and take up the obligation of a serious human being preparing for life and death alike to move forward, to step through. How about that? So um, I really appreciate that from him. And I think it's significant that they publish it. And I think that will make an impact and move the ball into integral territory. I guess I'd make one last observation. And that is that uh, Ross Douthat has a theistic orientation. Some people do and some people don't. And we have both of those in the integral world. We have the emptiness people and we have the God people. And that's, I, I, I don't know which one I identify with or like better. I do think that there is an integration of the two. And I think that recognition, you know, just good old basic integral theory of seeing the first, second and third person dimensions of reality is really useful. And that, we, and that all of those are evol evolving. So we have a first person spirit, first spirit and first person, which is my own consciousness. And uh, upon careful examination, I realize that it is empty of all concepts and that there's, you know, it's as big as the whole shebang. So that's a practice I can work with. Number two, that there is a spirit of God and spirit in second person, which is divine, which is an, a divine other that I can relate to and that I can relate to them as God. I can relate to them as guides. I can relate to them as demons. There's all, you know, the second person is vast and scary in many ways. You know, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So there's that I want to work with. And I want to see that that's an evolving system. And then, uh, God in third person, which is is the world of form. You know, it's it's this creation that is like 13.8 billion years old and continues to evolve technologically and all sorts of systems and complexity. And there's God there too, or there's religion there too. <laughs> so anyway, that's my story. And um, I appreciate you listening and see you next week.